Can you believe they finally got the playoff seating set? Will the Sixers find enough experience to dethrone the Cavs? Have the Rockets solved the Warriors equation? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show on Periscope. It is a Wednesday evening. I think we've finally gotten the matchups, and we've finally gotten James Hollis at Snotty Drippin' to join me to go over all of these uh, playoff uh, implications. So, James, thanks for joining us. Finally got me. You can have me on any time. You and Dave been big time me. Oh, okay. Well, then fine. You're gonna and you're gonna come on a lot more during the playoffs because we're gonna be doing this as often as we can every night, if you will, perhaps. So, so you definitely be on call, be ready to jump in here on the Periscope, on the pod, and everything. You promise? Do it. I'm ready. All right. Well, so, you know, I've been waiting for a week. We haven't been able to do any playoff previews video-wise because of this, and we finally got some stuff locked down, uh, and I got it on my screen right now. I guess we can kind of go through, you know, from the top down. Uh, let's start with the West. Let's just kind of bounce back and forth. But the first thing we have here is the Rockets and the Timberwolves. We just saw the game against the Nuggets, uh, an overtime thriller. Um, the home team won as it looked like they were going to win the whole game, even though the Nuggets wouldn't give up. Uh, what are your thoughts on overall on this matchup and, you know, what might play out? Well, we know that the uh, Timberwolves are going to run their starters and they're going to run them hard and run them fast. Tibbs is going to lean on those those five guys really hard. Uh, but we know that defensively that the Timberwolves didn't, they weren't up to snuff this year. Uh, defensively, I think they were one of the worst defensive, by defensive rating in the league. But with the tools they got, right, with Wiggins, Jimmy Butler and Crosby Town, they should be able to put up some kind of fighting. Rockets just come in waves, and they're going to just put up a lot of threes, and they're going to keep coming and keep coming. And James Harden is playing like MVP right now that he is. Uh, Chris Paul has been kind of gently used all season. He should be fresh for the playoffs. They're going to be a load. And so I think it, it's going to be maybe maybe shorter than we'd like, but uh, I mean, you never know. What do you think? Uh, I agree. I think it's probably like five, maybe. Um, I just feel like the Rockets have too much firepower on the offensive end. Uh, Taj Gibson also is a defensive guy who really did a nice job, I mean, kind of on Jokic. Jokic was hitting shots that were crazy, I thought. Uh, but and, and, uh, and then but you did see uh, Taj do some some really good sort of game-saving plays down the stretch. So, um, But I don't know. I just don't see – I mean, this is the first time they've been in the playoffs for, whatever, 13, 14 years. Uh, the, the experience really isn't there. I think Wiggins is, you know, not the kind of guy you want to rely on in this situation. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to uh, end up, you know, they'll probably get a game at home uh, in Minnesota and then, you know, the Rockets win in five. Is that crazy? Now, here's something interesting. Second half of the season, uh, the the Rockets were sixth in offensive rate and the Timberwolves were eighth. Only okay. Like, yeah, only like a point and a half behind. Now, defense where it was all different, though. Uh, second half, since all-star break, Houston's been third in defensive rating. And Minnesota... Guess where they were? Uh, well, they've been in the twenties, I think, all year, right? Yeah, well, they they did better. They were nineteen. Okay, hey, <laughs> there's some improvement, but. Well, the weirdest thing about that when you watch the Timberwolves is that, you know, no middle is a really big Tibbs, uh, you know, mantra usually mm-hmm. for his defenses. And yet um, all I saw tonight was the Denver Nuggets just getting in the middle, getting in the middle and kicking out and getting shots. It was really strange, uh, almost to the point where that, I almost feel like maybe Tibbs had changed his philosophy on that and tried to, like, do different things. And um, I don't know why, because to me it seems like a, a much better way to do it. So uh, I would be really concerned if you're going to let Chris Paul and James Harden in that middle you're either going to follow them uh put them on the line or you're going to give up threes to guys who are going to make them a lot more than even in denver 
I don't think they change the philosophy. I think that's where we're seeing part of the evolution of Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, as athletic as he is, he he's kind of undisciplined as the as your anchor, defensive anchor. Gets out of position a lot. He uh, he seems like he's not lost, like a half step behind the play. He uh, he doesn't guard the middle. Uh, he's athletic. He's thinking he'd be a great rim protector. He's just not. Uh, he, he fouls. He makes silly fouls. He lets guys get by him. And you see, I think he gets a little juiced up. You can see he gets like bouncing on his toes, and that's just that's that's the death of him, defensively. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, James Harden's going to put him on his heels, and this just be interesting to see. Yeah, although it will be worth it to watch Butler and Harden go at each other because that should be a really interesting matchup. Butler uh, should be able to have some success. He should be able to do something to, to frustrate Harden and to perhaps you know keep him from scoring a little bit. So there's something there uh, to see. But again, I don't know if anyone would give him much more than five games. Um, let's move on to the Eastern Conference. Let's bounce back and forth. Uh, let's do the same, the same matchup on the East. We have the Raptors and the Wizards. The Wizards just uh, perennially underperforming. They didn't have John Wall for a big stretch. He just came back and it's looked pretty good. Um, what do you think here? I, I'm hearing grumblings on Twitter even just now where people are starting to think that maybe the Wizards could do something. I mean, it's the potential is there, right? I don't think they're the classic AC where it's usually like the bottom of the barrel team and the, you know, kind of a joke team. They don't, the Wizards don't seem to be, they seem to be less than the sum of their parts. Somehow, uh, like they played like their strongest, most inspired ball without John Wall, and right. sure, you know, the ceiling's lower without him. But they seem they seem to play a lot more like more punch when he was out. Um, but he does he obviously provides another all. Awesome, in the playoffs, you need all star level performance, right? Your stars, kind of your horses, you ride your horse in the playoffs. So we'll see. Uh, you know, it's 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 arguable to say that against the Raptors that the Wizards have the best player in the series, right? So a lot of people really high, high on a healthy John Wall. And that, that matters in the playoffs. Now, the Raptors have been confident, and I think the Raptors' depth is where they're going to win out because the Wizards' bench has been notoriously weak, while the mm-hmm. Raptors' bench has been strong all season. So well, uh, I, I say again, four or five games. Yeah. Um, I mean, let me think. Could, could you have a situation where, like, Beal goes off and then maybe Wall goes off, and they I mean, that, that would be, like, the one game they could grab and then – could it happen again? Um, you know, and they have the pieces. They, I mean, Otto Porter is really good and very solid, and they mm-hmm. have the uh, Wall and Beal, and they have Gortat, and they have Morris. They have like you know, Sadoransky has been playing well, so they they have something there. Toronto, you know, you have to be a little bit concerned. Although you're right, that bench that they have is fantastic. I love Van Vliet. I think he's mm-hmm. perfect for them to come off the bench. Nah, and, something to watch. Van Vliet was hurt tonight. I'm not sure oh, how bad it was. Yeah, he oh, left really? the game with an injury. Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah, okay, I missed that. So, again, and then another one of those things where they didn't need this game, right? Although, although mm-hmm. Van Vliet would have been playing probably heavy minutes anyway because they were going to rest for Lowry or whatever. But still, that's got to hurt. Um, it, it really does because he really does a lot of stuff for them, even the sneaky stuff they don't even notice that goes in the box score. So, uh, He's in their closing lineup a lot. Yeah, right. So, so keep your eye on that because, again, that could be something that gets them to six games. And they get some confidence and who knows what happens. So, I guess both you, both you and I are sort of saying the same thing in the sense that I mean, I think we think that the Raptors are going to win, but it might not be a traditional easy one, uh, one over eight cakewalk. Obviously not, right? And Raptors also have some, some demons to exercise in the playoffs as far as will Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan come and play well? Because if they don't, I don't care how good the bench plays, especially if Van Vliet uh, is, is hobbled or not, not playing, they might really be in trouble. Uh, well, you know, John Wall, one thing we can say about the Wizards, they never lack confidence, even though they haven't they didn't really earn that confidence. But, uh, yeah, if, let's say, Bill goes off, Wall starts hitting his and gets in the groove, and then Otto Porter's hitting his threes, and Marquise Morris starts hitting, that's something. Kelly Oubre could be the X-Factor there. 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I, and I love Kelly Oubre. He's got great energy and he's really developing uh, some skills as well. So you're right. They, they have a lot to offer at the very least. And they definitely are an underperforming. They're not your typical eighth seed. So that's the thing that we, they have to be very careful about. But uh, we'll see. Then then you got to talk about, you know, Scott Brooks versus Dwayne Casey, which is another interesting thing. And Casey certainly has done a huge turnaround in the way they play the game, the way they play offense, which has been really impressive to me. Uh, but we still have had issues with him and his lineups uh, in the playoffs in the past. So that's another big leap he's going to have to make to figure out how to make that work, especially if they're shorthanded at all, uh, missing anybody off that bench. Um, and look, hey, Ananobi, Van Vliet, all these, a lot of these young Siakam, uh, Jacob Pertle, these are like they didn't get playoff minutes. You know, this is their this is their first playoff run, and that matters. You know, experience and and the, and the intensity ratchets up. Let's see how that that young bench holds up. For sure, for sure. Although there might be some value to playing up, growing up in Europe, I do feel like some of those games, even at the junior level, tend to get really intense <laughs> in those tournaments they play where it gives you a little bit of that uh, sense of something. But you're right, it's nothing like the NBA playoffs. So we'll find out uh, if they're battle-tested or not. Uh, let's jump over to the Western Conference again because we now have the uh, Warriors and the Spurs. I have to imagine that the team that has sighed the most over the last two days of relief has been the, the, uh, the Warriors that I, I can't imagine any other better matchup for them than the Spurs. Uh, yeah, yeah, Spurs are banged up, dinged up. That player for Marcus Aldridge, who has been lights out lately. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the Warriors aren't too too scared of him. Now, it's still a, a top-led team, top-coach team. They got to work, right, because they're not going to come easy. Uh, and and the Warriors aren't healthy. They, they don't look like they're not clicking right now. They don't seem to be, uh, I think, they've lost, someone said they lost like four of their last six. Is that right? Ooh. So, yeah, I'll look it up while you go ahead. But, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've definitely gotten stung a couple of times, and Steve Kerr has been pretty, um, you know, uh, crit- critical of his team and their effort. And it's kind of understandable. You know, this is a long run. They've been, this is the fourth, uh, you know, NBA Finals run they're going to be on in a row. Uh, but if you look at who they could have played, I mean, there's no question the Jazz would have been a nightmare matchup for them defensively, uh, what the Jazz can do. Uh, I don't think they wanted to face OKC and, and Russ without Steph. I think that would have been a real, uh, just a problematic thing for them. It's a problematic thing for them sometimes with Steph. So, uh, again, like that's a bullet they dodge that lets them kind of get through this series. They probably win in five. Um, because, again, the Spurs are good. They've won a lot of games this year. Pop has done a great job coaching them, but I felt like they've really struggled against the elite teams. So when the teams are really good, you know, Houston's and the, the Spurs, and of course, someone's going to come out and say that they beat them. I don't even know what the record is against the Rockets, for instance, but the bottom line is that they, there's been big enough stretches for me to look to, to tell me that the Spurs just aren't going to do well against these top teams. Yeah, uh, I just looked at the, the Warriors have lost three of the last four. Which yeah, which you know the, the guys in that line of resting guys. We know it's not indicative of the top level of play. Um, yeah, we keep you know what we always throw dirt on the, on the Spurs at different points in their their timeline over the last couple of years. And I'm not I don't think they're going to beat Golden State, but guess what? If they can give them some body blows and you soften them up, round two comes. Steph's not 100, percent and now you know you put some more wear and tear on their treads. This has been this is year four of deep of a possible deep playoff run. These guys are showing that those signs of fatigue. I know you know Phil Jackson spoke out of it, of it, the disease of more, and it's not just about guys being selfish. It's just more. You've had more miles, more more punishment from other teams, more pressure, more stress. That all adds up, and that's you can kind of see it on Golden State's face right now. They're, they they they're they're feeling the weight of history on them right now. Absolutely, uh, and that's it's natural. And there's it's almost like no shame in if anything were to happen when they don't make it back to the finals. Uh, uh, 
Well, you don't think so? I mean, I mean, you know, this shame is, is a relative word, but you know what I mean? Like, at some point, someone's going to say, dude, like, that's a lot of winning. It's a lot of games. It's, it's understandable. The Rockets are there. You're right. They believe. Um, you know, that said, I'd be really upset if we didn't get a, a, at least a Western Conference Finals between these two teams, right? Right. Yeah, they got to at least make a little. I mean, if, I think if they don't, they don't win at all, right? They still have two MVPs on the roster. And sure, if Steph won't be hobbled, we're not giving them an excuse. It's not. I mean, the, the, the general public's not giving them giving them that excuse. Same thing, you know. Hey, Dre's an all star. Clay's an all star. You got four all stars on your team. If one goes down, that should be the end of it. And yeah, but they really struggle about Steph. And the key with any team is chemistry and how well they get along. Just like a general manager needs to connect players who can work together, eHarmony is the place to find lasting, meaningful relationships. No shallow dating here. They've helped over a million people find their match, utilizing decades of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches. The sign-up process is easy, enjoyable, yet thorough, and asks all the right questions to help find the right person for you. And right now, get a free month with eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription. Just enter my code COACH at checkout. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my code COACH at checkout. Well, you know what? Let's go to some questions real quick while we have it. And if you have any questions and you're over here on Periscope with us, make sure to, to write them in the comments and we'll get to them because I see a couple here that are pretty good. Uh, Legendary NBA asks, hey, coach, do the Warriors have a legit threat to lose in the first round? I think we just kind of covered that. No, the Spurs are not going to beat them. There's not a legit threat. Um, right, James? I think we kind of settled that one just now. Yeah, I don't think they're going to They shouldn't lose. Good as the Spurs are, and as well, coach, they shouldn't lose to a team that's going to be playing big minutes to guys that you know most people never heard. For sure. Now, someone out there was asking why Jokic is your favorite player, and I wanted to give him a <laughs> shout out, but I can't. Now I'm I lost that question, but I saw it. You want to give that answer? Uh, so my thing with Jokic, it's, it's a funny back and forth with Jokic stands. I'm fan stands because I keep saying he's a multiple time future All Star. He's very good. People anointed him a top 10 player coming into this season. I think I saw you say something about him being underrated, and I laughed about it one time on Twitter because he's been overrated. He's a good player. You can say he's a good player. You can say he's top 20. The fact that people are saying he's a top 10, not on top five player, he's just not there. The fact that got, that other teams can target him and pick a roll, pick on him. And, look, his numbers are great. I get it. He's efficient. He's a great passer. I understand. When your center can't defend to that level where he's getting targeted and pick a roll, that's a problem. You're yeah. a 30th defense. That's the problem. It's the second year in the row that he just barely missed the playoffs. And I get it. If you're a top 10 player, that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know? And that was Sarmid Hansari who asked you that question, by the way. I found the question there. Uh, and you know what? I think I what I wanted to say was maybe not as much underrated, but sort of like under the radar. Like people don't talk about him as much as I think that they should. And then, you know, whenever I get into those kind of discussions, it's usually it's offense. It's like, to me, it's, you know, defense, schmeefense at this point uh, when you're talking about like hype and whatever. But there's no question. Yeah. When you watch Jokic out there, he's just not very effective at all on defense. Um, and it, it is a problem. And they need to find somebody 
else who can play alongside him that you know can be a better defensive stopper. It's not going to be Millsap. I mean, Millsap's okay, but you need somebody better. But the problem is you don't want to throw a, like a non-offensive player out there in that power forward position, right? You need to have someone who's like a stretch four, who's like a really good like a, you need like a Draymond Green, I guess, who shoots a little bit better. <laughs> it's just really tough though, and like if you got a scheme that specifically around a player, it's hard to say that he's a elite. You know, oh, he's a top ten, top ten guy. You plug him anyway. And again, I, we're nit, we're nitpicking because uh, I think this is a summer where Yoki's going to get his body in shape, get himself in better conditioning, which will help a lot. And um, if he can just be a lane clogger, you know, make myself bigger on the rim like how Gasol does, doesn't have to be a you know, you don't have to chase guys all over the place and and be a Dwayne Devin type shot blocker. He just has to be able to be smart, move his feet, and and and, and at least by resistance around the rim. He's not doing that right now. Right, absolutely. And, and maybe he can get better. He can build his body up. He doesn't have to get bigger and stronger. He just needs mm-hmm. to get more mobile and more lean, I would think, would be uh, his, his solution and better uh, strength in, you know, in his core and grip. Uh, now, here's a good question from Chris uh, Skrieger asks, uh, how shocked would you be if the Cavs lost in round one? Now, we haven't talked about the Cavs matchup, so let's jump into that. Let's kind of go around a little bit here. What do you think? Do you think that there's any chance the Cavs lose? Now, they're playing the Pacers. It's a 4-5. The Cavaliers is the lowest seed that, that LeBron, I think, has ever had in his career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is there any chance the Pacers have to beat this team? I mean, they, they have a puncher's chance, right? Victor Oladipo is playing like the top 15 guy, top 10. He's playing like the top 10 guy almost this season as far as a, a wing attacker. Uh, they got rim protection in Miles Turner. They got a bunch of like versatile, switchy kind of guy. So I mean, they have a hundred chance. And you know, we know LeBron is not the defensive monster he is, and this team is not probably very stout defensively. So maybe you can win a shootout. But LeBron James is still LeBron James. He, he's probably going to average if he wants to 35, 10 and 10 in the series without breaking the sweat and having no one to really guard him. Right. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to watch Lance try. You know, it'll be fun to watch Lance and him get into it again. But uh, it, it, it's until LeBron gets toppled in the East, I don't see him getting toppled. Yeah. I hear you. I, you know, it's interesting because the Pacers do have a very varied attack. They've got uh, six people in double figures, and then Lance is at like 9.2. So mm-hmm. they got a lot of guys that can kind of put the ball in the basket a little bit. Uh, they might get hot. And remember, the Cavaliers' defense really hasn't improved. I don't, You know what? I haven't checked that recently. And luckily, we have uh, the technology to press a button and check really quickly. But Oh, never mind. They're 29th out of 30th uh, in defensive ratings. So that has not gone anywhere but down for them uh that's a problem when you have a team any pro team in the uh in the playoffs against you that has time to prepare um so that 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 very well could be a problem so i i would be very surprised if they do lose but yeah you cannot rule it out the way they play the events and uh and where they're at with this team that's it i mean uh, we know that this is the weakest defensive team maybe even though uh, there are some Cavs guys that are showing numbers from last season saying that defensive rating ranking rise wise they were worse last year but we know, I mean, this is a, basically a new team, right? They just brought in six new guys, you know, less than less than 30 games ago. So they're, they're, they haven't really built a, a, real, a real chemistry cohesion this yet. And we'll see if that, that, affects, that affects them in the playoffs. For sure. Well, let's stay in the East for a second because we skipped over the Celtics and the Bucks. I'm kind of curious. The Bucks have backed into the playoffs mm-hmm. here, um, and they have Giannis, and I'm very excited to see him, you know, on the bigger stage here. Um, you're the Celtics guy. Do you think that they're going to be able to just sort of take this series with no problem? Uh, no, not even close. Uh, I'm not surprised they lose. Ooh. Like this, that, well, Boston built up a, a lot of wins, but they had 60 games of Kyrie Irving, and yeah. he's not there. You know, they had, they have, you know, they had Marcus Smart in the lineup. He's not there. Mar- uh, you know, 
people people sleep. Daniel Tice had a great rookie rookie season. He's a 25 year old rookie. He was, he was, a, he was a strong defender. He can switch down the perimeter. He was blocking shots. He's not there. You know that couple of that Gordon Hayward's gone. It's it's like, there's a war of attrition going on in Boston. I think that Kyrie may not just might be too much. We're dealing with a rookie, a rookie small forward, a second year two guard. Al Horford, we know, can do everything on the court, but he's not going to give you 25 a night. Uh, and Boston, they struggle to score. Uh, even though they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league this year, they, they still go through these droughts because there's no one person, hello Kyrie Irving, he's not in the lineup now. So, I mean, hey, Giannis, Giannis is far and away the best player in that series. Chris Middleton's a great, uh, underrated type player. He averaged 28 points a game this year. If you want to talk about that. Eric Bledsoe's almost 20 points a game score. Milwaukee's going to be really tough, and Boston just might not have the horses to keep up with them. Yeah, and Jabari Parker is looking really good too, as far as moving wise. Uh, and as that rust shakes off, he'll be another you know potential twenty point scorer. So, yeah, you, you, it, that would be an interesting little um, you know uh, what's the buttonhole or little uh, ribbon on the season for the Bucks after having gone through getting rid of Kidd and the, the tumultuousness of that. Uh, for, for them to kind of turn it around and up to the Celtics would be you know a nice little story. And you know what, you might have actually convinced me. I think that you're right. The the Bucks might end up being sort of the favored team because of all those injuries. It's kind of decimating them. It's really too bad. Marcus Smart definitely out. He's not coming back for the first round. He's not coming back for the first round. So like like let's think about this. Let's talk about the bigger picture thing. Are you going to call that an upset? Right. Well, I mean, a, I mean, listen, it's sure it's a 2-7, but is that really an upset? Like, you know, when, when your best player goes down 15 games before the playoffs, it's Kyrie Irving, he's gone. Is that an upset to beat a team that's like, – like that starting lineup is missing, you know, two guys from the opening night roster who are cool, all-star caliber players. Yeah, I mean, you know, start you know. the narratives now. <laughs> Let's get them I mean, get I'm control. already frustrated to hear about how, oh, Brad Stevens failed again in the playoffs. I'm like, what do you want me to yeah. do? He has a, he has a, he has a, a, a lineup held together with string and bubble gum. So For it'll sure. be interesting to see. Hey, guess what? If Boston does win it, though, feather in his cap because I think he's, he's overcome a lot to get these guys out of the first round. Okay, absolutely. Well, you know, let, let's jump over to the Western Conference again for the Portland Trailblazers who are facing the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, Anthony Davis has been playing like a madman's dragged him into the playoffs. Portland has sort of cooled down and not really uh, played as well as they had in the past. In fact, I kind of want to quickly, while we're talking, check the scores, unless you have that queued up real quick. 85-61, Portland is up. Okay, so it looks like they're going to take that game. Yeah. Uh, Hey, real quick, quick, I'm going to jump back. The Cavs, since all-star break, are 21st in defensive rating. Okay, so not as bad as 29th, but that's how bad they were before that. So, okay, so they've been a little bit better, which might just be enough for them to sort of hang enough of their hat on that to, to take that series, I guess. Um, we'll see. It, although you never know. Again, again, it's, it's playing on a, in a regular season versus a team that can prepare. But that said, I guess their defense can prepare too, so maybe that'll be something better. It's an interesting matchup. Um, now, so you say, so the, the Blazers are up big uh, in the in the uh, fourth quarter. So if they do take that, then they're they're the ones who end up. Um, well, it doesn't even matter because as far as the matchups goes, but I they if, if they win tonight, it's going to be they're going to get home court over uh, OKC, and they'll be the three. No, yes. I'm wrong. If, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Blazers are going to be the three. Yeah, they'll so be the three. Blazers, there you go. Utah's and they'll play. Yeah, or five with OKC. Okay, so we got that locked in. So, okay, do, does the do the Pelicans have anything to offer that could actually, you know, win them a series? Uh, yeah, they have Anthony Davis again. When you have the best player in the series, you you get a you have a chance, and he is far and away the best player in that series. Dame has been playing outstanding. Uh, you know, Dame's been great, but uh, you got a seven footer can do it all like like AD can, Brown can. That's a whole different animal. Um, so, okay, 
I mean, yeah, they, got, they have Aminu, who could probably play a little bit of defense on him, although he's still probably a little short for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the backcourt, like in Damon and CJ, that could, that could go off and combine for 50 points. That's something. That's um, going to be the game changer. Uh, let's see, because Drew Holiday has been outstanding defensively this year. Uh, it's been very underrated how great he's been playing defensively and offensively. He's been really good. So if he can slow down one of Damon or CJ enough, um, you know Ronald's not going to stop anybody. You know, Rondo's not going to give him back their band, but Rondo just has to stay on the court to get the offense moving and get guys involved. You know, so I just think, yeah, it's it's basically Drew and AD versus uh, CJ and, and Dane's offense. Let's see which comes out on top. Yeah, so this I'm, is kind I'm of like – I'm betting on the, the, the seven-footer. Okay, is it kind of like a running team versus a passing team, but not really. But um, somehow, they're, yeah, they're going to attack in the backcourt, and then they're going to try and go with the front court. although AD is not really down low, this kind of stuff. But uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm not a – the Drew Holiday thing, he's going to have to prove it to me. I got I to gotta see him do it in the playoffs and actually play well there um, because I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on his game and, and it, you know, in, in, the, in the bright, shining lights of a big series. I kind of am. I'm big on Drew, man. I mean, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Drew actually played well back when he was with Philly. And then the last year, I think he was the last year they made the playoffs. I think he was with them, I believe. So um, I, I, I I really want to believe in Dane, and I want to believe in what they've done in Portland. Uh, I guess I'm going to say this. The key is going to be Nurk. If Nurk can at least slow down, you know, the interior, as far as the, the rim attacks of Anthony, uh, Anthony Davis, he has to be efficient. Some days he he goes off the rails. He's shooting jump shots and he's just missing bunnies. He has to score and he has to stay out of foul trouble. And they they'll have a, a, a puncher. They'll, well, they have, they're the favorite, I guess. Yeah, I think it'll be a really fun series, to say the least. I think we're going to have some, you know, back and forth. That could go seven. You know, that could be our one, maybe seven-game series in the first round. Or they're, they're Actually, these a lot of these teams are sort of pretty close. We might have more than one of those series that, are, that go all the way. Um, right? Yeah. Let's let's jump over to Easter Conference again and look at the Sixers versus the Heat because the this is I, this is pretty much a is this a sweep to you? Uh, we're talking Heat and Sixers. Yes, I think the Sixers, especially if Embiid comes back for Game One, which I heard is a possibility. They're just playing; they're clicking on all cylinders right now, and I get it. Miami's well coached too. Hats off to Spoel for what he's done this year. Hats off for uh, you know Josh Richardson showing improvement. Uh, you know, Dragic had one of his better, better years of his career. I just think they're a team of role players in need of a star to orbit around. They don't have it. They just don't have it. They're, they're, they're going to play hard. They're going to. They're almost like an iteration of the Celtics team right now. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think Embiid and Simmons are just too much. Yeah, they will be, and like hopefully Embiid is the mask isn't going to bother him. He'll be able to play, and that'll be no problem in theory. Uh, and they, yeah, they have too much. They actually are pretty deep. You know, they got even guy like TJ McConnell can come off the bench and just play solid basketball for them, and, and like hustle on defense, make the right play on offense. Really, just gets them keeps them going. Uh, and you know, and you know, Simmons was getting a little bit of a a raw deal there, saying that he was riding the coattails of Embiid, but when Embiid went out. You know, you saw Simmons. Simmons picked that up and was able to lead that team. Um, they're scary, and they're going to be. You know, I don't know when are they going to be uh, title contenders. You think they're going to be like by next year? I think within the next year and a half. Uh, and like, you know what? Simmons was getting a raw deal. I think pre All Star break, without Embiid on the floor and Simmons, they were like negative five. You know, net rating. Since the All Star break, they've been like plus five when Embiid sat and Simmons played. So that's like, he, he's getting better as the year goes on, which is scary. But yeah, yeah definitely, definitely this playoff run is going to be them getting their feet wet, and I think they still can go far. 
And if not, they're all going to be healthy next year. Folks are going to be healthy, ready to roll. That's going to be three high-quality perimeter guys. And if they can keep uh, keep Reddick and get some more shooters or keep Bellinelli and, and uh, Ilyasova, they're going to be they're going to be a load. Yeah. My, my last I- impression right now of the Heat is watching the OKC game when they had a lead and they were playing well and then they completely crapped the bed in the fourth quarter on offense, wouldn't move. Uh, some of the pressure got a little bit. They, they pushed up a little bit on defense and they literally just the offense completely fell apart. And I was like, what is this? And so that's like, yeah, my last impression right now, if I had to say, you know, what I'm thinking about the Heat is, is that they're just not ready to, to, to really compete. They, they, maybe they win like the one game at home, game three or something. People yelled at me all year about the Heat because I, I, I just never was a believer, and I said that last year, sure, they went 30 and 11. That's fun. That's great. Can they maintain that? And a lot of what they do is precipitated on the back of Deion Waiters playing like an all star. Well, he got hurt and he's out this year. So you don't have a, when your primary creator, uh, you know, a 19 point per game score, it's going to affect you. And, you know, again, almost like the Celtics, it's a war of attrition. You can win a lot of regular season games, but sooner or later, the rubber will hit the road and your, your weaknesses are going to be exposed. And I think that's what we're going to see with Miami now. I agree. Well, well said. And let's move on to uh, OKC and Utah because I think this is the worst possible scenario for OKC. Uh, the, this is a team that could just lock them down, I think, defensively. I mean, listen, the Jazz can lock down almost just about everybody on, on, on the defensive end. Um, this is going to be a thing where you know I don't think Russ is going to do that well if Gobert is able to stay out of foul trouble and stay on the court and bother his shooting at the rim. Um, I think that they're going to – they're really going to frustrate OKC by playing like they do. I mean, they're really a, a, just a good team that really executes what Quinn Snyder likes. Yeah, and that's where discipline comes in, right? And, the, you know, the Utah Jazz have it in spades, and we know that, you know, uh, Russ Westbrook, God bless him, he doesn't, you know, he, he'll go off the rails sometimes. <laughs> now, Paul George tonight played like the all-star that he, you know, he played like he was ready for the playoff. Uh, Russ, Russ, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't take a lot of shots. He was, he was chasing his numbers. He was, and he got it. He had a triple double this season. I'll pick up wrong there. Hey, James in tonight for ten minutes to score double digits to keep his streak alive. So I don't want to hear anything about stat chasing. Um, the point being that, sure, OKC has more talent in those two players, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They have two like Olympian level guys, but the rest of the team might not be up to snuff. I think uh, how Steven Adams stacks up with Rudy Gobert is going to be. Uh, a decider. If you can stay on the floor and, you know, play him to a standstill, which is possible because Steve Adams is really, really good. Um, can well, Carmelo be an impact player is the question. That, that's true. Now, that came up with the Adams versus Gobert, but what's interesting about that matchup, it's not really like these two guys going at each other in the post, right? That's not going to be a thing we're going to see at all. It's going to be basically like, yeah, who can uh, out contribute the other in theory, so it's like you know, you know what I mean. Like who can have the the more of the impact on the defensive end? Really, although I do, I would probably give Adams the the nod on offensively as far as skill. Uh, but Adams just doesn't get that many opportunities, unfortunately, because I think he could. I think he could be a score more than he does, certainly. But it's not about him scoring more, right? Because we've seen that if you try to go to a post centric heavy offense, you're slowing it down, gumming things up, and other teams will come down to hit threes. So it's not about him individually scoring. It's about keeping him engaged and him uh, rolling hard and keeping Rudy Gobert engaged, right? Right. So it's not about touches. Well, it's, it is about touches. It's not about shots and points. You got to right. keep him engaged. You're right. They they have to keep him involved in the offense, or else Rudy's going to just freelance and, and be at the rim, beating everybody else. 
Right. And I mean, he should be getting like 10 points a game, like on just on rolls and the little floaters he can do. And like, that's the thing they don't, they kind of go away from that a lot of times, get kind of caught up in doing other kind of pick and roll uh, pairings, which is, you know, it's going to be how Donovan's going to figure out what works best, but they're going to have to be very concerned because yeah, throwing mellow out there. I mean, all year long, we've seen him be him guarding the ball, the, the ball screeners, man, uh, or him, him guarding the ball screener and uh, it, it being a, a variable nightmare for him and for the team on the defensive end. So I, had said on Twitter like last week that like they're going to probably have to cut his minutes down I said to like 20 or something like that and I don't know if it's going to be that much because I think Donovan's got pressure simply to play him because he is who he is but uh, if they don't cut his number his minutes down a little bit I think they're going to be in trouble no yeah they, uh, Jeremy Grant has to take a lot of his minutes because he's he's mobile he protects the rim and he doesn't need the ball in his hands he plays really well with Steven Adams so uh, yeah I think this is going to be up to it's up to Donovan right the onus is on Donovan to, to make this not just make the decision, make the decision so Mel doesn't count. You know, it is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Henry Hazard asks, how badly could the Donovan Mitchell guarding him thing go for Russ? Um, so, yeah, so Mitchell could guard Russ. Uh, what do you think about that matchup? Mitchell can't guard Russ. All right. No one, no one, in, no one in, uh, in Utah can guard Russ one-on-one. The thing with them is, again, discipline. They're going to play the scheme. Everyone's going to kind of – they're going to slough into the middle. They're going to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. gonna, when Russ drives, they're going to collapse on him. And they're going to be rotating, so he's going to try to go a kick out, and you know those might get picked off. And we know Russ can drive from top of that plan, and he'll just spray passes everywhere. So if he gets in the groove and he's scoring from mid range, that you know that that's his thing. If he's trying to get to the rim and, and go bare stones him a few times, and then he gets frustrated and he starts forcing the action, then OKC will be in trouble. So I don't think he'll be in trouble being barred by uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's a, a, a he's a pretty good defender for a rookie, you know. It's just but Russ is still Russell Westbrook. The thing about Russ is he can't just go you know, 100 miles an hour and try to destroy a guy in front of him because teams don't care about that. They'll load up on him and let him do it. Yeah. So I think the key then for Russ is, yeah, he, he needs to be somewhat efficient. And what you're going to probably end up getting is a few of those games where he's 11 of 28 and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's tough to overcome because it's such a high volume of shots. Um, here's an interesting question from – uh, I can't even read that. Like Lamore Hante, I don't know if that's right. What What's the recipe for the Warriors without Steph? Um, interesting question. You know, here's what they've struggled with: is when they kind of let Durant iso and just sort of like their their whole offense breaks down because of that. Uh, they got to be careful about doing that uh, too often, even in the first round. I would say. I think the recipe is uh, Draymond has to hit shots. Draymond hasn't been shooting very well lately. Um, they, they got to put their energy up. They just have seen really lethargic. So if they play with energy and very well make shots. Uh, Clay has to be really solid defensively. Iggy has to wake up, uh, right? If Iggy can provide, uh, you know, has been like a, a jolt of adrenaline off the bench. He hasn't been that this year. Um, and, yeah, Sean Livingston has to step up and, and be that effective memory shooter again. He just seems to kind of disappear recently. So – Everyone else, it's like everyone else has to step up a notch, and Kevin Durant has to be smart and efficient, and not, not worry about ISO soon. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. They have to play more of the the pure uh, Spurs basketball, getting that ball moving, opening shots for Clay. You know, Clay will struggle when he doesn't get touches and there's no movement in the offense like that. So um, they just got to make sure that Kevin Durant isn't. Um, you know, he you see it. He gets in that mode where he's going to try and carry everybody, and I get it. It's like it hasn't worked for a minute or two, and he just kind of quickly does that. So they have to just stay out of that on offense, and it also just sort of speaks to just how good Steph Curry is and how valuable he is. Um, 
no matter how good Durant is, and Durant is probably better as a basketball player overall, uh, Curry just does something much different and, and affects the defense in a way that's even more profound. Uh, they need him back if they're going to get past the second round. Absolutely. But, I mean, and that, it seems really simple to say because people act like, what's wrong with the Warriors? Any team, hey, I don't care what team you are. You take away the best player off that team, you're going to be, you're going to struggle. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what team. You took Michael Jordan. Sure, the Bulls, the Bulls back. Take Michael Jordan off that team, you're going to Right. So, yeah, they need Steph Curry to be back and not just back in, back healthy. If he, if he comes back and he's not healthy and he's not making shots, it, sure, it, it's going to be nice to have a Steph uh, gravity effect out there. He has to produce. Yeah. Well, and probably we actually covered everybody. That was all the uh, the matchups for the uh, the playoffs. I think that was it. Which one are you looking forward to seeing them? Oh, the one I'm – let's see here. That's a great question. I'm looking forward to – um, I kind of, you know, it's a good, uh, geez, who, uh, I don't know. What are you, what are you looking forward to? I really, uh, outside of course, as, as this Boston guy, I'll see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. See, I want to see them just, you know, be able to cut loose. They'll, you know, there's nothing, they're, they're not, there's nothing to lose. They should both get at least 15 shots tonight. Uh, and the offense should be very Jason and Jalen simple. I also am excited to see Philly. I want to see these guys first play off. I mean, just last year, the talk was, will and be play ever play 50 games? He's already shouted that. Uh, ben Simmons has been a historic rookie. He's going to be in the playoffs now. We're seeing the playoffs. So I, I'm really excited to see uh, all these young guys in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell, too. I'll just give him honorable mention because he's awesome. He's not the rookie of the year. Sorry, guys. Sorry, uh, Utah fans. It's ben no, th- that's the thing I want to see. I want to see uh, Donovan Mitchell. And by the way, that leads me to my question we hear out by, um, by Mikhail Ice, who asks, what player on the 16 teams can you see being a surprise standout playoff performer? So I would think, I mean, I don't know if Donovan Mitchell would be a surprise uh, standout because we know how good he is now, but that would be my guy who I think, like, guy, wouldn't it be, it'd just be amazing to see him just kind of go off and just sort of make even a bigger statement about the Rookie of the Year award? Um, I'm going to say Terry Rozier. Uh, he okay. has a chance. Eric Bledsoe, I love Eric Bledsoe. His defense is a little overrated. Terry Rozier had a nice little yeah, – <laughs> I'm being nice. I like Eric Bledsoe. I like many LeBron. Um, I'm looking at all the playoff <laughs> teams right now, and who else do really do great? Yeah, that's, I'm going to go with Terry Rozier. I think he has a yeah. chance to really uh, make himself a lot of money in these next uh, – I think he's a free agent, not this summer, though, next summer. But Boston has a choice to make for him and Marcus Smart. I'm going to go with C.J. McCollum. I think he's going to have a really big series and remind everybody uh, where he that, that he's probably the most underrated player in the NBA. Oh, I'm switching mine, too. Switching mine. I'm going, hey, Andrew Wiggins has been killed all year. He's been already kind of written off. He just signed this huge contract. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Rockets. If he has a good series defensively, or at least a, a, a consi- like, at least he shows that he can play steady defense and he shows that he can you know have an offensive explosion or two, He'll remind people why he was, uh, you know, why he was a top pick and why he got that big contract. Fair enough. Well, let's ask, let's answer one last question as we wrap up this podcast uh, and live show on uh, Periscope. Let's see here. Uh, Chris Krieger, I think was his name, uh, asks if uh, would we be upset or disappointed um, with another matchup between the Cavs and the Warriors, something like that. And I'm, as I'm scrolling, oh here it is. Would another Cavs Warriors finals feel like a letdown after the season? Um, I wouldn't mind it after this season. So the big thing with the Cavs and Warriors, it seemed like last year, is that it was it was it was inevitable. There was never any kind of like drama. Who's going to do it? We knew the Warriors and Cavs were last year, right? I mean, I, that's really that's that was my take on it. It was like, sure, I love watching basketball. I love watching the other teams, but when the, we already know the end of the story, it's not it's not it's not exciting. It's not really compelling. You know, it's a great it's a great final. So this year, hey, Houston's number one seed. Golden State looks vulnerable. 
Cavs, their own GM said it. Hey, we're on a, we were on a slow walk of death. We had to make these trades. This year, there's at least some kind of drama to it. You know, we still have, we still know how things are going to play off. You know, Steph Curry still. So this year, it won't be disappointing. I think I feel this year will be more uh, almost organic. It'll be more more well earned for both teams. It's not really fair if they earned it last year too. You know, but as far as narrative goes, this year they both had like scratch for it. And I think I wouldn't be disappointed this year. Yeah, I just, it just feels like you know we've done it for so long now. Uh, I think what I'm really looking forward to, like we said, it was the the Rockets Warriors matchup in the Western Conference Finals. Like that might end up being the real finals. So it could very well be a little bit anticlimactic to have the NBA Finals themselves. Uh, although you know it, it could be some really crazy you know situation where like maybe maybe Philly ends up being in the finals or something, right? Like that would be amazing uh, as well. I would love to see another team make it, uh, but if if it's Warriors. Uh, Warriors Cavs, and they both have hard fought, you know, like the Cavs just traits through the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Warriors actually maybe trail in the series. I'm fine with it. And then we still don't know who's going to win. Even though if Steph Curry comes back, I'm still very confident. I hear you. I, I'm the same way. I feel like they, you know, we're, they're still going to be the favorites to make it no matter what. Uh, but again, if we don't get that Rockets uh, Warriors Conference Finals, I'm going to be pissed. So, but I'm not pissed to have you on the show tonight. Great breakdown of all the playoff series. We'll have to check in with you again and see how accurate we were next week when the playoffs actually start. So, Scotty, don't get scarce on me. Don't go hiding. And it's on you. And everybody see the shirt, right? Yes, see the shirt. Oh, Kyrie. nice Kyrie. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, listen, he is James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin'. I am Coach Nick, and this is B-Ball Breakdown. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in, James? Are you whispering? (laughs) All right. He's in.